Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Bulldog Alley podcast. It is June 29th. I am your co-host, Cole Forsman, joined as always by Asher Ali. What's up? What's up? How you doing today, Asher? Oh, man, I'm living. I'm living. Just coming off a nice uh, hoop fest weekend here in Spokane, my, my first ever. Uh, it was really cool just to see that Spokane really is that is a city for basketball. Um, you know, come from myself, come from Los Angeles. I always thought that like LA was kind of one of the meccas and it is for sure, but Spokane is definitely on its way. And obviously you saw that this year with, you know, in the NBA draft with, which we'll get into, but like, you know, three guys taken out of Washington, like this state just kind of exudes basketball, just love and excellence. So it was really cool to be there for that. How about you? Yeah. I mean, ditto, honestly, I've, I've stumbled around hoop fest for a little bit, watched a few games. Just a great environment it was my first uh, one, obviously, the last two being canceled. And yeah, I, I know I now know why it is Hooptown USA. So and yeah, Washington, we love our basketball. Bring back our songs. Anyway, we can get right into the NBA draft. Um, of course, that was uh, the news around the basketball world this last week um, and for the Zags. Uh, we had, of course, Chet Holmgren being selected number two overall by the Oklahoma City Thunder, and Andrew Nemhard being at the top of the second round selected by the Indiana Pacers. Um, right off the rip, a fun night to, you know, just watch, be here at Spokane. Um, and, yeah, we can just kind of get right into how we think these guys are going to fit. Um, first, we'll, we'll just start with Chet. It's a big name one. Um, right, off, right off the top of your head. Uh, how do you kind of see him fitting in with this young OKC roster that, you know, clearly is a ways away from really competing, but certainly has uh, the foundation both on the court and, you know, uh, draft asset capital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Chet, Chet to the Thunder, it, it's a, it's a selection that it's going to work because at, at the very least, if, even if it all kind of falls apart, the Thunder are going to make it work. This is the guy that they wanted for sure. And you can tell that because they weren't deterred from picking Chet, even when, you know, the morning of draft draft day comes around and the the, the, the script is kind of flipped on, on on everybody. And all of a sudden, oh my, Paul Banchetto is going number one. Everybody in the world thought Jabari Smith Jr. was going number one. But the Thunder stayed true to like what the reports had said, that they really wanted Chet and they locked down on him. They didn't switch him and take Jabari. So you know that, they have a plan for him in their system. You know, they have a path, they have a timeline for him. It fits in amazingly well with that young roster. Um, he'll get to develop along some of the great young talents in the NBA, like Josh Giddy, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I know you and I were talking earlier about whether Lou Dort will be back, but if he is, guys like Lou Dort. And then there's three other draft picks that he gets to develop alongside of. Um, it's just, it's really fun team. Um, could be going forward. It's one of those teams that you think about like NBA league pass wise, like you want them on league pass next year. Cause they will be an exciting, exciting franchise to watch. Um, but no, Chet is definitely a, you know, he's a dual weapon that will give them the, uh, obviously the offensive output that they come to expect from their offensive weapons so far, he'll add to that, but then he'll also kind of in introduce a defensive element that I think the Thunder were missing last year is one of the worst, worst defensive teams in the entire country. Um, you know, Chet will bring that and he'll be a shot blocker at the power forward position. They can even slide him over to the three and he'll be elite. Um, it was so duly noted that uh, forwards and wings were a need for the Thunder this draft. Uh, all four of their players 
can kind of play and, you know, anywhere from the, you know, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara can play the two, he can play the three, Jalen Williams from Arkansas can play the, can play the three, can play the four. Um, and Dan can play the three to play the four check can play anywhere from three to five, depending on how he kind of develops. So this is a team that needed wings. They needed guys in their front court and they got that. And Chet is the penultimate, if not the ultimate uh, guy you wanted from this draft for that. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent, you know, agree. We talk about Thunder had three first round picks and you always hear just take swings at guys who have high, high ceilings with, you know, all those picks, take guys, take shots on guys who um, you think could one day change the league. And I, I think the Thunder really did that with Chetta too. We already, you know, know at nauseum how he has the highest ceiling of anybody in the draft. Um, in terms of his defensive impact is going to carry over almost right away with the shot blocking um, skill set, his ability to just be vertical. He has that basketball strength um, that you kind of talk about where he isn't, doesn't look physically big, but uh, his body's certainly conditioned for the game. He's strong uh, mentally, uh, physically, just doesn't, doesn't get deterred a lot. And I mean, who's been Jang? someone who rose up the boards uh, as like a raw prospect who uh, could sort of do it all. Not a lot of tape on him, of course, from overseas. And then Jalen Williams, one of the higher risers, of course, in the draft as well. Uh, the one from Santa Clara. So I think their three first round picks, they were like, let's just, let's just swing for the fences with these picks. And I like it. The guys who just fit in a bunch of different spots. Um, they're going to obviously have to put these guys together in a coherent lineup at some point, but, um, I think that staff is really committed to developing all four of their picks, even Jalen Williams at the top of the second round. So I think Chet, you know, like we just said, defensive impact is going to be there and the Thunder are in no rush to compete. He can, you know, build his frame up more, develop a, a real ball handling um, repertoire, I guess you can call it, because uh, we know he can handle the ball great for a seven footer and, you know, if he can really tighten that handle, who knows what the ceiling is for him. So, yeah, I, I really like this uh, draft of the Thunder. Um, I think they got great guys to go along with Chet. Going or moving on, I should say, Andrew Nemhart, top of the second round of the Indiana Pacers. A lot of people thought maybe he could sneak in late first round to a team that, you know, is in a win now mode. Uh, maybe like the Warriors or, you know, the Grizzlies who just want to add depth at that position, but it ended up being the pace to stop the second round. They also got Benedict Matherin uh, with the number six overall pick uh, in the first round. So, and then Kendall Brown after Nemhard at pick 48. So really well-rounded draft for them. How do you kind of see Andrew fitting into this Pacers team that probably is going for a rebuild They've kind of hinted at a soft rebuild lately, but um, given their moves and their current roster right now, what do you kind of see for Andy? Yeah, Nemhard, I, I I still think I think his future is definitely up in the air. I think every kind of second round guy's future is up in the air, and it really is a fit oriented kind of feel and for how any second round talent is going to develop um, out of the draft. I do think he's in one of the better situations. A lot of it does depend on how the Pacers approach this offseason. Um, you know, when they have guys like Miles Turner, 
who, you know, they're still maybe looking to flip and every, it, it flips every day, whether or not they're trying to flip them or keep them, you can't keep track of it. Um, and it depends on what pieces they're trying to get in return for them. I don't think, you know, reason why I think Nemhar is in a particularly good situation there is because as a rebuilding franchise, they do already still have a developed starting point guard in Tyrese Halliburton. So they're not going to try to look to replace Halliburton with somebody better. I don't think Halliburton is like the premier developing guard in the, in the National Basketball Association right now. You're not trying to, you're not going to find many better, you know, young guards than Ten Tyrese. So you could have Nemhard maybe slot in behind him in the rotation um, is definitely, that's the optimal um, a p- position for him to sit in for this going into the season. But we still have guys like TJ McConnell there. Um, you know, it's definitely going to be something where they have to maybe fight for it a little bit. Um, so he may not, you know, he may be coming off towards the end of rotation or the, you know, the end of the bench to start this year off. But um, I think some really is going to show a lot about his development too show what he has um, in his tank. And if he can just showcase the same things he showcased in Gonzaga all last season or at the NBA combine, which, you know, at this point I'm convinced, you know, that is just his game. I'm, I'm have no worries that he's going to produce just like that in the summer league. Um, you, you can definitely see him being like an eight, eight, nine guy in the rotation for the Pacers next year. Um, and you never know, you never know what that can lead to for, for him. Um, you know, he's just, he's going to be that cerebral guard for, for the Pacers, which I think is a team that needs that, um, that intelligence, because when Tyrese is not on the floor, they're still going to need a floor general. And that is like 110% what Andrew Nemhard is. Um, but yeah, when you have, you know, it is, it's a guard heavy team, but definitely more in kind of the, the guard wing position. Like, you know, you have your buddy heels, you have your Ben McMatherins. Now you have your Kendall Browns. Um, these are guys who are going to fit in really well. Oh, dude, Chris, Duar- Chris, Chris Duar- Duarte, that's a tongue twister. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the, like those guys can definitely stretch more than two to the three, but you still need that true point, I think, and Nemhard is going to be that when Halliburton isn't there. Um, I think they kind of, they, they maybe, you know, maybe Halliburton is, is a really good fit as far as a young mentor for Nemhard too, because they both have similar pros and cons to their game. Um, we'll just have to see how it matches up for Nemhard, but sometimes he can be a really, uh, really encouraging shooter and go out there and shoot the rock a lot. And sometimes he'll really sit back and let his teammates take control um, scoring wise and t- Halliburton, it kind of falls in the same pitfall sometimes. So we'll see how the two of them maybe are able to work off each other and build with one another, but I think Nemhard's in a good spot. Yeah. I mean, we talked about, I mean, one of Andrew's greatest strengths here. Well, he sort of lacked that size and athleticism. He was just so smart and he can make pretty much any pass that you could ask a point guard to make uh, at the college level, that is. So I think if, for smart players to be surrounded by even more talented players, um, I think Andrew, given the volume, like you alluded to with his combine uh, performance and the scrimmages, I think that's about what we could see from him, you know, in spurts here and there um, in summer league. And if his NBA, you know, career pans out, you know, the way we want it to, um, then he could certainly do that, you know, in a higher clip. So, yeah, I think uh, you mentioned the Tyrese Halliburton, they, they are very guard heavy. And I, and I mean, we didn't even mention Malcolm Brogdon too, right. Who is in a lot of trade rumors. Um, Mm -hmm. He, doesn't see the floor a whole lot because, you know, he's had a lot of injury history of these past few seasons, but 
I think that's a guy who, if he's to stay in Indiana, which it, it, it could go either way at this point. We just saw DeJounte Murray get traded. But um, Hawks. As for, as, for, as for Brogdon, you know, he, him and Nemhard, very similar builds, a very similar yeah. play styles. You know, not the most athletic, but just guys who are rock solid, floor generals. You think of like a quarterback in the NFL, just field general. They're just going to do what needs to be done, but they're going to do it efficiently and uh, at a high, you know, you can trust them with the ball. So mm-hmm. I think that would be someone for Andrew to really look up to if he's to stick around in Indiana. Tyrese, you know, him and Andrew for the future, that's a fun backcourt possibly. And they have Duarte and Heald, who knows? Again, TJ McConnell, who somebody, if they bring back, is another guy that I think Andrew could look up to. We know Andrew's very skilled defensively. Um, for him to pick McConnell's brain and how he's able to rack up steals and read passing lanes, that would be really, you know, great for his development. But I think for a team like Indiana, who, yeah, is in a rebuild, it looks like they're going to head in that direction, probably ship out some veterans by the midseason. Yeah, we could probably see Andrew get a lot more minutes, you know, even as we head into March and, you know, that's that area where a lot of rebuilding teams like to just get their young guys a lot of reps. And so I think Andrew could get a good mix of sitting on the bench in the real, in the regular season and just observing, watching, learning from afar and then uh, applying that maybe towards the midseason and down the line. So I think he's in a great fit. Indiana's been a re- really well-run organization of the last few years. seems like Rick Carl really likes him. Uh, after they drafted him, he kind of said, or he said how he um, Andrew reminds him a lot of different aspects of J.J. Barea and Jason Kidd, Jason Terry, kind of elements of all their games. Of course, Rick Carlisle coming over from the Mavs is where all of his point guards he's had over the years. So, um, yeah, I think Rick Carlisle – uh, could really coach up Andy well. So yeah, he's definitely in the right coaching scheme, I think, to develop to develop solidly. Um, and yeah, just one one more thing is like you bring up Brogdon. It's funny, like no, I I think I think this guard. I mean, I think this draft class is 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 stacked enough where it'll be really hard to see like a guy like Nemhard uh, getting you know becoming rookie of the year at the end of the year at the end of next season, but you could see him maybe being potentially the same situation as Brogdon was with the Bucks um, mm-hmm. when he won rookie of the year, where it's like, he's coming in as a sixth man. You never know how it's going to unfold. Um, and he could just be that really cerebral guard that just, you know, is really able to slow the game down and direct, direct the floor and, and maybe at least get recognition at the end of the year as one of the top, um, as one of the top rookie players. And he could maybe make a, all or an all rookie team. You never, you never know. Um, that would be really fun to watch, but this is a really stacked draft class with not just those two guys from Gonzaga, but with some other WCC players as well. Yeah. So we can kind of get into those. Um, of course, we mentioned Jalen Williams, uh, the other uh, WCC player out of Santa Clara. You know, just an offensive weapon who can also share the rock. And those were the only WCC players drafted, but there is plenty more. Uh, that will that's signed to NBA rosters and will be on the summer league teams at the very least. Um, the summer league going on from mid July, I think it's in Las Vegas. I believe it's the 16th to the 19th, somewhere around there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, just a couple of WCC names to keep eye on on these certain teams. Um, out of St. Mary's, we had Tommy Cousy signed with the Orlando Magic. So he'll be with Jalen Suggs, who was not listed on the Magic Summer League roster. I kind of found that interesting, but um, we'll see how that goes. There's still a while before rosters need to be uh, finalized. Malik Fitz as well from uh, St. Mary's. He graduated not this year, but the previous year, if I'm uh, mm-hmm. correct on that one. And then at Gonzaga, we had Philip Petrucho, who was, of course, second-round pick by the 76ers last year. He played back home uh, overseas uh, in 2021-2022, but he'll come over for the Summer League this year. Uh, Jamari Bouye out of San Francisco. He signed with Miami Heat. Frankie Ferrari, who graduated from USF, I believe, a couple years ago now. I think three years ago, Frank. Yeah. I think it's three years ago. He'll be on um, the Sacramento Kings. He played for the Santa Cruz Warriors uh, G League team in 2022. He was undrafted in 2020 or 2019, sorry. Uh, out of BYU, we had Yoeli Childs. He's going to be playing for the Jazz. And Alex Barcello got a deal with the Toronto Raptors. And then finally, Colby Ross, who all Zags fans know is just this big bucket getter who loves to torch us. Uh, he will be playing for the Portland Trailblazers. He was overseas last year um, playing for – I'm not going to try to – it's a Czech Republic um, team, and he was quite efficient over there as well as a scorer. So it's good to see these guys who, you know, whether they just graduated or graduated a year or two ago, uh, get another shot at the NBA, and that's what the Summer League is all about. So – I think it'll be really fun to watch all those guys um, play for teams that, you know, have a lot of young, promising talent on the roster. Yeah, no, like, you know, big ups to all these guys for getting uh, for getting at least a summer league roster and, you know, getting the platform to prove themselves worthy of any kind of professional contract. You know, this 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 even goes far beyond just like an NBA or a G League contract. If you guys play well here, that could – yeah, that could you know that definitely increases their stock in overseas a lot as a lot as well, um, especially like a guy like Colby Ross coming off an efficient year overseas. You know, you know, adding to that with proving himself like you know competent against uh, potential NBA competition could give him a bigger contract down the line. Which you know we're always trying to let our let WCC get their money. Um, in particular, though, I am definitely interested in Bouye um, going to the Heat. Um, I'm sure you are too. Um, with your D Wade jersey sitting back there, but no, he's um, you know the, the Heat have a really like there's it's it's cool like we were looking both of us I know we're looking at the uh, rookie wire article that has the teams the players listed for each team that's already confirmed to have signed a summer league contract or playing with the team, um, and the Heat's roster is pretty filled out, but it does look like Bouye will get consistent minutes at least as a backup point guard on that team. Um, it's a pretty forward and center heavy team. So I'm hoping that he really gets to prove himself as, you know, even as an undersized guard, which is one of the biggest criticisms against him, is that he is still a guy who doesn't matter the level he's playing at. He will draw a bunch of defenders because he is an offensive threat like no other, and then be able to distribute either, you know, score the ball or distribute it out to somebody else um, to make them score. Because that is exactly something that is actually a play style that can translate so well to particularly the Miami Heat's NBA roster. You know, you have guys like, um, you know, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, 
Jimmy Butler, who, you know, they could handle the ball on their own, but having somebody else there, you know, even a Jamar Bouye in a couple of years who could then, you know, take it up himself and then dish it out um, would be so fun to watch. And that would just, I, I think he also kind of uh, really embodies the heat culture. I just feel like just because he was a grinder at USF and played four years there and it was just, or five years there and was just a dog every single year and just learned and grew. Um, I feel like he's a guy that uh, the Heat organization can really get behind. And then, you know, if it's not the Heat organization, I hope another NBA team finds him worthy of signing to at least a two-way contract because I think he is deserving of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know everybody in the NBA circle likes to make fun of Heat culture, you know? Oh, Pat Riley, body fat percentage tests, all that. Um, One of the most hardest working, toughest teams in the league. I think that's some Pat Riley uh, mantra but yeah I mean just like a lot of these other guys that uh, made their way on the summer league rosters just playing hard will earn you minutes mm-hmm. um someone like Bouye in his situation with the heat yeah I mean their, their point guard depth is oof, outside of Kyle Lowry who is um I think over 30 years old by this point um who knows what his future is with the team um I think he could definitely make an impact uh, if he's to make it past this summer league roster, um, at least on a two-way contract. And yeah, like you said, a lot of these guys, they might not even end up in the regular season on the teams that they signed the summer league contract with. You know, you can see these guys sign two-way deals with the Warriors. You know, Bouye might end up there. When I mean, I'm just I, hypothesizing. But yeah, yeah. Um, Another couple of other notable summer league players, uh, Fenbo Zhang, he signed uh, with the Indian Pacers summer league roster, of course, former Gonzaga commit. Um, mm-hmm. And then I just found these two kind of kind of cool, Buddy and Jimmy Beheim, uh, of course, son of the legendary Syracuse coach. They're both on the Pistons. And then the Lakers just like to build, apparently, the most popular team. They got Scotty mm-hmm. Pippen Jr., Sharif O'Neal, I think they have Mac McClung too, and um, Max Christie, who was a former, I think, five-star recruit out of high school. So Lakers just like to build, um, yeah, those kinds of squads. But it'll be interesting to see. Um, again, the summer league is all about just another crack at um, making a professional career, and I think a lot of these guys have the heart. Uh, and the skill set to do it. So we'll just have to keep an eye on them and it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, uh, you know, as a, as a Lakers fan, I'm definitely, I'm definitely excited to see Scotty Pippen Jr. And, 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 uh, and Sharif go out there and, and show their stuff. Also as somebody who had in high school, I got to watch Sharif play um, at Crossroads. He was, uh, he beat the brakes off of my high school team. So um, I would, I, I'm going to be happy to see him suit up in the, in the gold and in the, in the purple and gold, um, and do his thing. But yeah, man, I, summer league is really fun. Um, I'm hoping at some point in my life, I can make it out there and watch a couple games. Um, but for the moment, uh, I, cause I, I didn't really watch much last year, but this year is definitely a year that intrigues me for some personal reasons. And just, it's, I think it's just like a talented pool of players. Um, you know, guys like Max Christie falling to the Lakers, there in the second round is pretty, you know, just kind of shows you the pool of talent. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited for sure. And it's just around the corner. Yep. We'll keep an eye on that. Um, uh, Jalen Suggs and Chet Holmgren weren't listed on these rosters, but I'm sure once they sign their, or 
at least Chet Holmgren, once he signs his rookie deal, he'll probably pop up on a list somewhere. So, um, but yeah, I think that's all we really had to go over today, Asher. Mm-hmm. Um, we're heading into the thick of summer. So yeah. And NBA free agency right around the corner. We got yes. uh, coming up in like tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. Tomorrow at 9 PM Pacific standard time. I so believe we, is when, when moratorium starts. So teams can start reaching out, making those sneaky phone calls at midnight to players and yeah. you know, just don't pull the Chicago bulls. Just don't, you know, I like having the, I like seeing as many draft picks as possible. And the bulls screwed every the entire country out of seeing one more draft pick and they, they got to because they decided to say they announced they signed Lonzo Bowl like the second it dropped. It's like, all right, let's yep. relax a little bit, please. Miami Heat, we're looking at you too. You took another pick away. So we mm, only have right. this year. And let's have more DeAndre Jordan situations. Those are fun. Yeah, we like those. We like those a lot. Those are interesting. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, all right Asher. Yes, I will let you get going as long as well as the rest of our viewers. Guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Bulldog Alley podcast. I'm your host, Cole Forsman, Asher Ali, of course. Have a good one, Asher. Thank you, sir. You too. Catch you later, Cole.